Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the All Sports Best podcast. Today, I have a very special guest on. His name is Eric Kratz. He is a host of the Foul Territory podcast. He's also a former big leaguer. So I'm going to talk to him about a lot of baseball. We're going to have some fun with this. I've got some questions that hopefully he's never heard before, uh, but we'll see. Eric, welcome to the show. Trey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so Eric... Strip away the history from each of the division series teams. Which team is the most marketable, maybe the most electric? You can't talk about, you know, the history of of titles and things like that. It's just today is day one in the MLB. What do you got? Everybody, I like it. I love I love this question. You know, you're you're building the team. Who are you gonna sell to the fans? And yeah. you know, for me. It's going to be, it's got to think to longevity. You think of like, okay, the Braves are going from, from here on out, the Braves are going to have a team that is there for a while. The mm. Phillies are going to have a team that they're going to have to add in pieces here and there. And I think the, you know, the Rangers are too. But for me, the team that I'm selling, and because they're going to be very active this offseason in free agency, I hope, on the pitching market, is the Orioles. Okay. One, I love Camden Yards. I think it is a place to watch a game that is like no other. I think they built that stadium, and then everybody else started building their stadiums after it. Okay. I think the team is built around a guy in Adley Rutschman who is just – you never want to say somebody's perfect, but he is close to Buster Posey as you can get. That's true. And he's a guy that is – really going to lead a team that's going to constantly be calling up prospects. Yes. They're going to need to go get free agent pitchers, but you are talking about a team that has the number one prospect in baseball in the minor leagues. Still, they have Gunnar Henderson, who's going to win the rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. They have Adley Rush, never been swept in a regular season series since he's been to the big leagues and he's leading the charge on this team here. And so I know the answer should be the Braves, but I just feel like the team in Baltimore is an exciting team to watch. I mean, if you choose the Braves, I feel like that's a that's an easy choice too. But I yeah. think I think Baltimore Orioles would be the team that I would sell to everybody. I love that. I love that. And I feel like as big of a history as they do have, of course, putting back the history and all of that stuff, they're still like the underdog team right now. Because even at number one in the AL, because it's like, well, they got to prove themselves first. They're still a younger squad. Regular season's phenomenal. We love that. But, you know, right now, just like the Braves, they're amazing on paper. We should see them do great. And uh, yet still we see some struggles there, right? We have, them do. We, have, we have seen them do great. But, you know, whatever happens in these two series in the ALDS and the NLDS for the Braves and the Orioles, they have done incredible things. And people are going to try to come up with excuses. If they lose, like the series aren't over yet. Like you're going to lose games, but these are solidly built teams. I don't appreciate the way the Orioles build it in the sense of like they tanked for years, Mm, but I like the the Braves was built a little bit better. You know, they've been constantly good and they've, they've locked up a lot of their young talent, but yeah, they're both they're both incredible teams. Absolutely. All right, so talking about a guy that I'd imagine you played against at some point in your career, his name's Clayton Kershaw. Did you ever play against him? 
I did. I yeah. did. And I have a hit against him and I have a couple line outs against him. So I feel like for me, that's a successful career against Clayton Kershaw. Oh, absolutely. It is. So one of the best to ever do it. It's not a question, right? But his body of work in the biggest postseason uh, is, is it the mo- biggest postseason letdown in history? Man, you mean his career in the postseason? In or his, do you yeah, mean his the- career in the postseason. I mean, we saw what he did this last uh, game against the Diamondbacks. And even putting that aside, we've seen a lot of struggles in the postseason. He is the guy you think about when you think of pitching in in uh, in L.A. But postseason? Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's always going to carry that moniker. Whether he pitches again in the postseason ever, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know. But, you know, he's I, – I think he's still a – a very serviceable pitcher in the sense of you're going to get 20 to 25 starts out of them, which is totally fine. If you know that coming in and the Dodgers have been able to mitigate around him, but the whole postseason narrative, like I would love for people to go back barring the last outing, but even, even the last outing, it fits into this, it fits into this moniker. It fits into my, like the way I've always talked about it with him is like, he's had great, postseason appearances right he's had bad postseason innings here and there Mm. like it's really been something that has plagued him for a while that big home run that that, you know comes to my mind was the matt adams home run against the cardinals yes some other things were happening there but that's why he's so good because he doesn't give up the home run normally right that home run against matt adams was like the first home run he had given up on a curveball in I don't know how long. So it's not like he comes out and just lays a stinker every time. Right. It's the fact that guy has been elite, the best left-handed pitcher of his generation. And I don't consider, you know, like CC in his, in his generation, because CC was a little bit older, mm-hmm. but they were pitching at the same time, but his, his body of work has been incredible. So you go into the postseason and you say, okay, who do we have starting? Well, Game one, Clayton Kershaw, like, that's easy. We're That's who we're going to throw. And you kind of lean on that guy. You lean on him a little bit more. It's it's like it's like we see in 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 different games, like, like the Braves right now, they're going to lean on Strider mm-hmm. for seven innings, where if a Max Freed – well, Max Freed's not a good example. If um, Aaron Nola gets to the sixth inning, well, you know what? We might go to somebody in the seventh. You know, you never you never – question that Clayton Kershaw is not going to give you that next inning. If he says, I got it, <laughs> give him the ball, stay yeah. out of his way. And so you're going to, it's like saying, oh man, Raldis Chapman, you know, he's given up some huge home runs in his career. You put people in situations to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes, but you know what? The really good ones have a body of work that is better overall, but Kershaw's just been plagued by a couple big innings. Yeah, you take out about, I don't even know. I don't know the stat. I haven't seen it, but I'd say you probably take out like six innings total. I think it's maybe. even less. I think it's Pro- four and two-thirds wow. innings. And, and and maybe you can do that with everybody, mm. but using to believe the narrative, the fact that this guy is first ballot Hall of Famer and the playoffs, not saying he doesn't show up in the playoffs, just saying the playoffs are a different bird. Yeah. And it doesn't take anything away from what he's done. It is just, it's one of those things. And you take those four and two thirds or five and third, whatever it is out of his record. And you're like, 
whoa, his numbers yeah. are better than his career, which are elite Hall of Fame career numbers. All right, so you have one man on your squad from this postseason to lead your lead your team, right? What is that guy's name? You can choose anybody from the last, you know, from from the entire postseason, including the wild card. I mean, he has the highest career active OPS. He has 12 homers in his career in the playoffs. He has 11 doubles. And the only reason I knew this is because I was getting ready for our show, Foul Territory, and I'm like, I got to come up with something. Why would you not choose Bryce Harper? Okay. Unless you have unless you have the choice of Jordana Alvarez, I, I feel like you're fine. I feel like you're going to win a game if Jordan Alvarez is the guy you're choosing. But Bryce Harper is the highest career active OPS and all those home runs, doubles, like I just said. Oh, yeah, and he's six for six in stolen bases. Like you're talking about a guy, if you extrapolate his postseason numbers out, he's like, it's like 41 home runs and 27 stolen bases for a regular season. Wow. And he's facing the best of the best. Mm -hmm. he, the teams are building their bullpens to go around him. Teams are going to make sure they have a left-hander ready. So in the playoffs, you're not facing fours and fives in the starting rotation. You're not facing, you know, your, your mop-up guys in, in the bullpen. You're facing the elite of the elite. And this dude is almost, almost slugging at a thousand OPS for the postseason. So I'm taking Bryce Harper. And you make it sound like an easy choice. There's such great guys out there, but I mean, it's just, it's hard to not pick him. He's so good. And he's also a fire guy. Like you get into the, I can only imagine never been there. But in that locker room, if you have Bryce Harper on your squad, like you can, you don't have to worry about, are we going to be ready to go today? He seems like that guy. <laughs> that, that is a great, that's a great comment. You know, he might, he might be more fiery on the field than he is off the field. You know, he might not be that guy that's like getting everybody going in the locker room. I don't know because I never played with him. But when you have a guy that's that good, that clutch, there's pressure in the postseason. Hmm. He might feel that pressure. I don't know. But the other guys don't. The other guys don't feel that pressure. They're sitting there going, I just got to do what I got to do. Yeah. Like, I don't need to pick black for Bryce. I don't need to, like, think about think about how uh, Rob Thompson, the manager of the Phillies, shifted their batting order in the wild card round against the Marlins. They faced two lefties. Bryce Harper is historically the number three hitter every team's like well if your best hitter is not hitting number two you're losing rob thompson shifted alec bone to the three hole and put harper in the four in the cleanup spot now you're like oh what are you doing what are the chances that alec bone's hitting has a higher slug against lefties than harper and what it also does is you can't bring in a lefty to face Schwarber without him facing Schwarber, Turner, and Bohm, who's got that high 650 slug against lefties. Mm. Then you have to keep him in there for a fourth hitter in Harper. So, like, that kind of thing, it helps a guy like Alec Bohm. You're putting Bryce Harper's elite status in the, off, in the postseason 
is then also going to give him pitches because you're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to face Superman mm-hmm. coming up after Punk. <laughs> and so, so those are the intricacies of the game that that are that show what a manager can do, but also shows what a superstar, a guy like Harper, changes in the lineups. And and I could and I could argue, you know, Alec Alec Bregman, Alex Bregman was on our show, and you know his numbers are comparable halfway through his postseason career. Like you split his numbers compared to Derek Jeter's numbers, and he's actually ahead of Jeter. Mm. And he is, you know, and he's not even the guy that most people talk about in the postseason. You talk about Jordan Alvarez. So I get it. There's others. But right now, today, I'm picking Harper. Awesome. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, folks. So Foul Territory podcast eric is on um which is very good by the way and it's something that i use to kind of get stay up to date with baseball especially now in the postseason you guys are having a watch party what does that entail with you and the and the foul territory crew it's gonna entail us just basically watching the game watching the game with you um i actually did it for a couple yankees games this year and it was a blast like people just hop on you mute your TV and you watch the game and we, you know, we kind of try to sync it up. If you want to cheat, you can go ahead and be like, Oh, I know what he's, what's going to happen, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Sinks up there, sinks up their game and you watch it. And it's not, you know, we're not going to be doing a ton of X's and O's. We're not going to sit here and go, you know, Oh, and kicks and here's the pitch. Like it's a different way of watching, but it's a way that if people have watched the Manning cast, it's similar to that. And it's just us hanging out. And tonight, I'll be in for a couple innings. Um, AJ Prezinski is going to be there. Ross Stripling, big league starting pitcher for the Giants, is going to be there. So it'll just be, you know, we'll just be hanging out. Like if we were to watch the game, the way I I hope, and this is our first time doing it on our platform. We did it on another platform for the Yankees before, and it was awesome. But my hope is – it just gives people a way of watching a game. Like, like let's say you had an off day and you were in the clubhouse with the guys watching the game. Yeah, We're going to probably be distracted. We're going to probably have ADD. But we're going to be sitting there going, <laughs> we're going to be sitting there going, oh, man, like, no way. No way. I think they're going to go to so-and-so here. And it's like stuff that – you just don't have time on the regular telecast to talk about because you're also you're already talking about other stuff. You're sending sending you know down to the on field guy or girl and that kind of thing. So I'm I'm excited about it tonight. It's it's against it's the Braves Phillies game. So it'll be it'll be it'll be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to check it out for sure. Okay, so you played in the Astros organization before what it is today. Um, and before everything that happened, of course, you have to kind of touch in on the whole scandal stuff, right? But who, when you were there, you were you had guys on the team that are the stars of today. Um, who was the hardest worker in the in the on the team? So I was there for six six weeks. Um, I I met Bregman. Bregman wasn't on the active roster yet. He got called up that year. But they had just come off of the 2015 wildcard win against the Yankees and then losing to my Royals the year before. Mm. I mean, in 15, in that, you know, heartbreaking fashion. But, you know, so the guys that I saw that were, you know, the linchpins of that team, 
Altuve, Correa, Bregman I met early before he came up there, um, McCullers, all those guys. But for me, I think Correa was probably 21, 22 maybe. And I just remember I was doing my workout. I was That was 2016, so I was 35 at the time. And he was watching me do my workouts. And I remember there was one medicine ball workout that I was doing, and he was like, why do you do that one? Why do you, why do you do that workout? And I was like, you know, I told him this for rotational stuff, strength, explosiveness, but core stability, that kind of thing. And he's like, I'm going to take that and use that this off season. And you can just tell while, you know, some people working hard doesn't necessarily mean like you're sweating and dripping. Carlos did that. Altuve and I, we worked out in 2014 together when we were over in Japan for two weeks I saw how he worked out, but you just watch how a guy like Correa is very engaged mm. and wanting to and willing to learn to grow and get better. To me, that's hard work. Like that's when you're working hard 24 seven, like even you can, you can work hard by sleeping. <laughs> like you, you, you figure out, Hey, I need to get nine hours of sleep because we got a banger of a travel schedule coming up. And I only got eight last night. I need 10 a night. But, I, you know, to me, that's working hard. You, you're putting your entire, your, just your life is in it. You're, you're focused on being the best player, the healthiest player that you can be. Sure. Altuve are like, they're neck and neck for me. But I'm going to go with Correa right now. What an interesting take on working hard when you're sleeping, when you're doing those things. But it does make sense. You know, I actually saw we saw a story earlier this year. I think a guy said he gets what, like 14 hours of sleep per night or something crazy. You know, so was that was that was that you say Kikuchi? I believe I so. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like 14 hours is I feel like you're a sloth if you get 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know what? If you can do it. Like, I feel like I would be hungry. I would wake up and I'd be like, Man, I haven't eaten for for like 16 hours. Yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've never done it, but I'm sure, hey, if 10 is great, 14 is better. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I read, um, let's see. Okay. So I read that big league players that have eight seasons or more get a lifetime MLB pass. Is this, is this the case for you? It's it. I looked it up. You put in 11 big league years. That doesn't count. Why not? It doesn't know. It, uh, it doesn't apply for me. It's a bummer. It's a real wound. So you're mm. really scratching over a wound that hurts. No, you have to get, you have to get eight years of service. You have to get eight years, like eight years of service. I had parts of 11 seasons of service. Okay. So, so basically you get one day of service for each day you're in the big leagues and in one season you can pick up 172 or 174 I forget what it is days of service. So, you know, I was very much up and down up and down for those 11 years and I accumulated over 6 years of service. So, Ooh. I don't get the gold card, but what I do get is a lot of friends that I met that do have the gold card and you get two tickets to any big league game. So I got to call them up to get me in for free. That's amazing. Yeah. That's perfect. That's <laughs> Hey, and actually if we're going to flip this as positive as possible, you don't have to be the guy to turn people down. So there's that. <laughs> I love that. Your plan. You're exactly right. When you're playing, people are always like, Hey, Gretchy, uh, you mind getting me some tickets? 
well, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just like two of us. And by the time you're like, okay, yeah, I can try to find tickets. Like we're playing the Braves. You live in Atlanta. And all of a sudden they're like, well, actually my cousin, mm. his wife, <laughs> my cousins, my other cousin, you know, and all of a sudden you got 19 people and you're, you're playing for free. So yeah, you're right. You don't have to get people tickets, but it would be cool. It would definitely be cool to have the, to have the gold card just to say you have it. It's kind of like an ego thing. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like getting, committing to a college to, to play baseball at a college when you're in uh when you're in eighth grade, like it's like just an ego thing. It doesn't actually apply because you're going <laughs> to change until you're, until you're older. But you know, the gold card thing, a lot of the guys who have the gold card are like, I don't even want to go and watch baseball where me, I, I watch games all the time. Yeah. You know, we, I, I still love watching baseball. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I've actually heard somebody that, um, that has one and they told me the exact same thing. They're like, I don't, I don't think I've been to a game since I played. And I'm like, that is just wild to me. Even just for the atmosphere, right? Just for that. Like, and some guys, they can't enjoy it. Other guys, even when they played, they didn't really enjoy baseball that much, but some guys that can't enjoy going to a game. I go to it and I'm like, sometimes my wife will ask me when we go to a game, she's like, are you enjoying this? I'm like, yes. Like there's just, there's so many things that I'm watching. Like, I'm like, Oh man, like I wonder why they have the left fielder shifted like that. Or I'm like, Hey, probably going to be a single here. I love playing the game of like, I bet this could happen. I was like, if he hangs a breaking ball, he'll probably dump it into right field for a single. And my son will be like, why you say that? I was like, well, they just moved the right fielder back. So you see so many different things. I love games. The atmosphere of games is awesome. The traffic getting into them sucks. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Absolutely. Uber is probably okay. That's as far better. as parking That's... goes, right? Yes, absolutely. It's the same cost. The Uber the Uber charge is $40 and parking is $40. So it's like, might as well get someone else to drive you there. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. So um, best and worst. You played for nine different teams. Okay, and I've got the list here. It says Phillies, Yankees, Rays, Pirates, Brewers, Astros, Royals, Blue Jays, Giants. Best and worst uh, franchise experience in your career? (laughs) I also was in the big leagues with the Red Sox, but I never got in a game. I was there for two and a half days. It doesn't count, but that's why it's no no big deal for you missing that. Oh, man, let's see. The best... The best, I, I put them in categories. I put them in categories because, and, and ironically, the best ones are the ones I went to the playoffs with, but the Phillies, Brewers, and Royals treated my families like gold. Mm. And the Yankees, my last year, it was the COVID season. They treated my family like gold. Other years I was with the Yankees, they were an awesome organization, but it was less, you know, family oriented than the last season so the last season was kind of an anomaly and i know they've gone that direction since as far as where they're you know really treating the families in a sense of allowing the families to fly during the playoffs with you and stuff but the phillies royals and brewers just did an amazing job with that during the playoffs in the sense of you don't have to find your family your wife your kids tickets to the next series like let's say you're playing Cleveland, the one year we played Cleveland, wives, if they wanted to go to a game, they had to fly themselves out to Cleveland. Well, your game ends at 12 at night. What happens if you lose and you're eliminated? 
And it's like, well, I still want to go to the game. Now you got to buy last minute tickets. You got to get to the airport. So that kind of stuff, when, when the Phillies and Royals and Brewers flew the families, that was, that was gold. That is so cool. It is so cool. But the Phillies really, really, I was there for the longest. I was there for three years. They just really took care of my family. And so for me, that, that goes, that goes miles for me. Like it, it is really, it's awesome. And so I guess the other direction, uh, <laughs> the worst, the pirates did, the pirates did some things that were really good. So I can't quite give the pirates for me. And it's funny because I think about the relationships that I had, I have with the blue Jays organization, but at the time, like I still have some really great relationships, but at the time there was just, just wasn't a great fit for me. Uh, you know, it wasn't a time I was drafted by the blue Jays. I didn't have the most positive seven years there as a minor leaguer. And then I got traded back there mm. and Alex Anthopoulos was actually the GM and he traded for me. And I still have a great relationship with Alex, but how, like for me, the situation of, getting called up and down as a 34 year old from Buffalo to Toronto to Buffalo to Mm. Toronto. This wasn't, that was tough. It was really tough with my family going across the border, having to pack the car up, going up to Toronto and then pack the car up again, going back down to (laughs) Buffalo. So that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff sticks in my mind as far as like not simplicity wise, but like, I don't have any relationships in any of the organizations with the people that I was with that I'm like, like those guys are, you know, they, they, they were, they were really bad to me. Yeah. Maybe some things didn't work out, but nobody was ever really bad to me, but That's good. I would say the, the blue Jays were, you know, would probably have been up there just organizationally, how some things ran and simplicity for me as a player. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, Eric, you have experience with places all over in the big leagues. We talked about a couple of those um, experiences and and what that entails. What is your most prized souvenir from your playing days? Man, my most prized souvenir. I mean, you can't go past the two rings that I have. I have a Mm. 2014. AL, AL championship ring. And so I call that my second place ring. And then I have a, the Royals world series ring. And some people will look up my stats and be like, you had four at bats that entire season. I was there till June and then I got fired, but it was one of those things that I got traded over in, in July of 14. We went to game seven of the world series lost. That was the year Bumgarner came in and closed us out. And then 15, we ended up winning. And I say we, some people say, ah, you didn't have that big of a, you know, big of the impact on that team. And I would, I would argue that, but I would also sure. say that there's so much that goes into winning a world series, especially when you do it the way that we did it in the sense of going back to back and losing a game seven coming out. There's off season workouts. There's, calling each other there's motivating each other and it just felt like i was part of that whole run yes i wasn't there to 
pop champagne when they won when they finally won game five of the World Series against the Mets. But it's something that I feel like I'm will forever be a part of. And that ring means a whole ton to me. And so I think it's something that is that's it's really cool to have. Do you have it in your office right now? I do not. It's locked away. I rarely wear it. Rarely wear it. It's one of those things that it's like if somebody if I go to speak somewhere and somebody says, hey, bring your ring, I'll bring it. But there's never like a day where I'm like, hmm, I got to go get my rings out and put those on. Like, but it's something <laughs> I, I love people. I don't want to have it out because this is kind of this is like the side of my studio. Like the whole room is filled with different memorabilia from people I played against. Um, some of these chest protectors, like this chest protector is from the 2010 uh, Team USA that oh. had like Mike, Eric Hosmer, and Mike Moustakis, Todd Frazier, like just incredible Chris Archer, tons of dudes. And, you know, so I don't want to put the ring out next to this stuff because then it's like, people will just go and look at the ring and never check anything else out. Mm. So maybe sometime I'll find a place to like really display it. Cause it's in a cool box. When you open it up, lights shine on it. It's wow. It's, it's a boss ring. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a great answer. Of course. And I don't know who would question that, you know, like I don't, you're in the big leagues, you get a chance to be around these guys. And, and like you said, you've got a lot of impact, whether you're there every single day, every second, or, just you know sometimes oh people people question it people people question it people question i mean it's all relative you sit there you know it's relative you sit there and you go you know i'm on i'm on this podcast because i played in the big leagues because i have a show all this stuff and people will be like yeah but you weren't that good all right that's really (laughs) people say that fine with that like what you never you never please anybody but you I, I look at my career and stuff like winning the World Series in 2015 as like that's 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 the reason that that's the goal of why you're playing. It's not the reason of why you're playing because you're given a gift at, of being able to play baseball, and the reason is to impact the people on your team, to impact the people in the city you're playing in, and hopefully you know the world because you're you're on a huge stage. So. So yeah, the ring is is awesome, but you're you're also you might be surprised. People are like, "Oh, you did nothing." I would, and they'll, be. And they'll they'll write it in articles and stuff too. So it's fun. <laughs> I I like I like debating that kind of stuff with people. Yeah, I, I guess I would be very surprised to hear somebody say, "Well, you didn't do much." Well, I mean, it's something that not a lot of people. I think I saw when you made your debut, it was like the nine. There was like nineteen thousand players total that had played or something like that. So I'd imagine that number's closer to like 21 or 22,000, maybe. I mean, of all time in the world, over a hundred plus years of baseball, you know, that's, it's hard. It's not, (laughs) there's a lot of teams too. So, uh, and and yeah, there's, there's a ton of teams there's, and I think, I think the number is right. They just passed 23,000 or maybe they just passed 2000. Um, but all that to say, like I had, I heard it explained to me one time by a lawyer. They said at any one time, there's 125,000 lawyers 
in the New York City metro area. And you're like, whoa, like you, you hear about being a lawyer and you're like, you go to New York City, like that's pretty prestigious and elite. And there's only ever been 23,000 people to have played in a big league baseball game. I'm like, that is kind of put perspective over, over a hundred and whatever, 40 some years, however many years baseball's MLB has been a thing. So it's, it, it is, it is definitely a really cool accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. And I did not know that there, there, there was that many lawyers in general. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't either. All right. So, um, Assuming someone doesn't know what foul territory is, they're watching this podcast, they've never heard or seen the, they've, they've probably heard of it, but they've never seen the foul territory podcast or listened to it. Um, how would you explain it to them? Or what would you say to them? I would say if you ever want to know what it's like to hang out with big leaguers in the clubhouse and talk about the real stuff that's happening in baseball, come and watch foul territory. Mm. We've had over 200 we just passed 200, 200 active player guests. Wow. So the hosts are ex-players. Most of them are fringe Hall of Famers, except me. So I get to hang out with these guys. But A.J. Brzezinski, Todd Frazier, Lorenzo Kane, Jason Kipnis. Uh, one day Jerry Blevins was on with us and Brock Holt and then me um, and our 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 main host is Scott Braun, who used to be with the MLB Network. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he he helps all of us buffoon baseball players who who couldn't host a show on our own. But we're all <laughs> just hanging. No, no, we talk about stuff. We're not just sitting here going, huh, "I wonder if the color is blue," or you know, we're talking about stuff that's happening in baseball, and we're talking about it for real. Like we're talking about how how does this affect the player? How does a travel schedule like this team have affect players, you know, and I'll give my opinion and AJ will give his opinion. We give anecdotes. And then we're like, we, we have, we have three guests a day. Like that's, that's the player, like player guests. We've had over 200, but we've had almost every writer in, from every mm. city. And we're not a regional thing. We are talking to like, like the, the best example is, we had Michael Lorenzen on when he was playing for, for the Tigers. And about two and a half weeks later, he threw the no-hitter for the Phillies. Oh, yeah. He called us the next day and hopped on the show. Just That's amazing. Like, he's, got a billion, he's got a billion other people he can talk to. But I think there's something about players hanging out with other players. And when I text guys about coming on, like, I'm just like, please don't feel like you have to come on. This sure. is not, this is not, this is something we feel like it's a player's network, like a, a network that you come and you listen to what the players think about you say Kikuchi sleeping for 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. You can hear that. And now, and not every player connects with every fan. Like we're not trying to make every player. Okay. You know, you got to fit in this box and you can't say this and that like, like Whit Merrifield loves golfing. I'm sure there's plenty of baseball fans who hear Whit Merrifield come on and they go, I hate golfing. He never, you know, he always talks about, you know, golfing and I never, I don't golf. Okay. You know, so you don't connect with that person. That's fine. But there's plenty of people who connect with somebody who golfs and then somebody will come on and talk about hunting. And there's going to be people who are like, That's I cool. never hunt. 
why would he hunt? This is just <laughs> the players to be who they are, like to show like a bunch of our, our regular guests, the guys that keep returning, they got kids. Like they just had a baby like Ryan Yarborough's on all the time. And we got to talk to him. Like, he didn't know if he was going to be placed on the roster for the NLDS and he didn't get to get placed on it. But you know, that's something that you don't want to go and talk to as a player after the fact, but he talked about it ahead of time. And it's just real conversations mm. that, that are, not had anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that everybody can like. I think it's hilarious the like the amount of haters out there. By the way, <laughs> just I, why do people hunt? Why would you even consider hunting? Like those types of guys. Like just leave it alone. I, it's just I think it's hilarious to me. It it really is, and it's been it's been eye opening to me. Like I even got I even got flack because I was we were talking about you know a guy going on rehab mm. and. I said, I said, Hey, I was like, you know, what you guys need to do, you know, everyone used to buy spread for the minor leaguers. Now the teams in the minor leagues pay for the food. So I'm like, don't worry about buying them food, buy them like a gift or like they don't get them pregame food. So I'm like, Hey, I said, Hey, why don't you go out and get them like some Chick-fil-A? Everybody loves some Chick-fil-A nugs pregame. Oh, for sure. And some guy hit, hit me back, hit me on Twitter and was like, was like, uh, do you know what Chick-fil-A stands for and what they do? And I was oh. like, Oh my gosh. I was like, everybody just wants some chicken nubs. That's it. <laughs> yeah. What? And I, you know, so that's the kind of thing that I think is funny, Yeah. but it's something that is, it's real out there. Like people just, like you said, people, people kind of like they live for the hate and I'm like, nah, there's too much, there's too much fun stuff to do and yeah. talk about that. We ain't got no time for that. I agree. I agree. All right, last question of the podcast. Uh, definitely appreciate you for being on, by the way. Um, best name in baseball, not the player, but the name itself. You mean like a nickname or like, because my, because my, I, I love that game. I love like a player's name. Yeah. Let's go. So, so you're talking about the actual name. The actual name, you know, Gunnar Henderson, you know, something like that. That's a big league name. I yeah. love playing big name. On our show, we just had a, a prospect for the Tigers. His name's Jackson Job, And we were talking to him about, like, dude, that's a big league name. It is. But you can't be more relevant right now than the Phillies phenom reliever who just came in through one plus in his first outing in the NLDS, and he threw in the wild card, too. It was two scoreless outings so far. Orion Kirkering. Like, what a name, Ryan Kirk. In the minor leagues, there's a there's a Blaze Jordan, yes. a prospect for Sox. I mean, really, Blaze Jordan, like that <laughs> dude's making the big leagues. That's like I, I love I love names like that. Um, who was the who was the guy? I forget his name. His name was like Bolt or something. Not Usain Bolt, but it was like there was a not, there was a name. He, he's not in the big leagues anymore. But I love that. I love, but I'll go with Orion Kirkering. Okay. All right. I love it. Very good. I was actually thinking of Blaze Jordan when I asked the question. I'm like, this might be in, and it, it kind of was. But all right, Eric, yeah. thanks again. Really do appreciate it, guys. If you're watching, uh, definitely go and check out the Foul Territory podcast. It is worth your time for sure. Eric, have a great rest of your day, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the playoffs. 
I will definitely enjoy the rest of the playoffs. And Trey, thanks for having me on.